Greetings from the Crime Off the Grid newsroom, your source for news and commentary in wild places. Emphasis on the commentary. Our first story tonight from KIRO7 News in Washington. Two men fishing at Ross Lake National Recreation Area last month made a grisly discovery. What may be human remains? In October, the National Park Service called the Whatcom County Sheriff's Office to report that two local men had found a suitcase with possible human remains inside while fishing in the Ross Lake National Recreation Area near Rockport. Whatcom County detectives interviewed the fishermen who discovered the suitcase. The Whatcom County medical examiner took custody of the remains. Whether they are human has not been released, and the investigation is ongoing. Ross Lake National Recreation Area is in north-central Washington, just south of the Canadian border. It's part of the North Cascades National Park Complex, which also includes North Cascades National Park and Lake Chelan National Recreation Area. So if you want to go look that up. So I had to keep digging. I was very, very curious. So I found something, and according to an entry on the PNW Fly Fishing Forum, which stands for Pacific Northwest Fly Fishing, Someone who claims to be familiar with the discovery of the suitcase said that the fishermen in their boat, quote, dragged the suitcase up onto the beach. It was a large suitcase with buckles on three sides. They broke it open and found quarry rocks and plastic bags. They looked in one bag and saw a human foot, so they left it and ran back to the resort and called law enforcement. Then there was a national park ranger there on the beach. The dudes who, again, I'm still quoting here, the dudes who pulled the case out of the water went over and showed the guy where it was and then came back and fished with us, end quote. And while I'm not personally familiar with this area, there are multiple reports that the lake has receded and is at a lower level, and some report state concerns of a disturbing trend of finding human remains in lakes the last two years. Last year, There were four sets of human remains found at Lake Mead National Recreation Area as the water level keeps dropping, including a body was found inside of a barrel after extremely low water levels exposed the bottom of the lake. In other news, a Southern California woman was sentenced to 33 months in prison for knife assault on a camper in Sequoia National Park. This is from the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Eastern District of California. Sarah E. Minahan, 28, of Manhattan Beach, was sentenced to 33 months in prison for assault with intent to commit a felony. According to court documents, on May 16, 2022, Minahan entered a camper van in Sequoia National Park with the intent to steal the camper van from the occupant, who was sleeping. Minahan exited the camper, but moments later re-entered and attempted to stab the occupant with a four-inch serrated knife. The occupant was able to subdue her and eject her, I bet he was, from the camper before she could stab him. Then Minahan fled in a stolen car. When National Park Service rangers encountered her and tried to arrest her, she refused to comply with commands and was only taken into custody after rangers deployed a taser. I bet you're thinking what I'm thinking After the woman came into the van the first time, why didn't the victim close and lock the doors or I'd probably drive away? I don't want to be around some crazy person coming in. But he said that it was hot and he wanted the open air, which I get, you know. What's the difference between that and sleeping in a tent where you're just as vulnerable, I guess? 
However, he did say after sentencing, he will be locking his doors from now on. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and Association of Zoos and Aquariums announced a pilot network in Southern California to provide care and welfare for the animals confiscated from illegal trade. Public Affairs in headquarters of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and the Association of Zoos and Aquariums today announced the launch of the Wildlife Confiscations Network in Southern California. The network is a pilot program of the AZA's Wildlife Trafficking Alliance that provides coordinated response for the care and well-being of wildlife confiscated from illegal trade. Online marketplaces and social media have made it significantly easier for consumers to illegally acquire wild animals. Every year, millions of trafficked animals fuel this global demand. Wildlife trafficking decimates species in the wild, fuels criminal networks, destabilizes governments, encourages corruption, and threatens human and animal health throughout the transmission of diseases. Quote, wildlife trafficking is a serious crime that impacts imperiled species throughout the world, end quote, said Martha Williams, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service director. Quote, when live wild animals and plants are seized at U.S. ports of entry, it's critical to provide the highest standard of care as quickly as possible. It's also essential to grant safe and appropriate housing for species that cannot be returned to their country of origin. I, I kind of like that job, like taking care of the animals that can't be returned to their country, but probably not the big old snakes. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is proud to work with a broad spectrum of law enforcement and conservation partners to ensure the health, well-being, and proper care of all seized wildlife and plants in our custody. This newly established pilot program network will help conserve animals and plants for future generations. Successful wildlife law enforcement often involves the seizure, confiscation, and holding of a diverse array of wild animals, notably at the U.S. ports of entry or exit. In 2022, service special agents and the service's law enforcement partners investigated over 10,000 wildlife trafficking cases and collected over $11 million in criminal penalties. That same year, wildlife inspectors across the country worked alongside other federal agencies to process over 160,000 legal and declared shipments of wildlife products. I'm just going to say, there's no way those people are looking for stuff to do. These guys have got to be incredibly overworked dealing with what they're having to deal with. Moving on. From K2Radio.com in Casper, Wyoming, Bears and bison got nothing on road ragers in Yellowstone National Park. A Yellowstone National Park visitor was arrested for simple assault after he allegedly confronted a driver and his wife in a road rage incident in July. A park ranger responded to a report of an assault in a construction zone along the South Entrance Road, according to an affidavit accompanying the charge of simple assault he wrote and filed with the U.S. District Court on Friday. Two other rangers also responded and found the people involved were in their respective two vehicles parked along the southbound lane. Construction company workers told the drivers to park there and said they would call law enforcement. The ranger checked the driver's license, interviewed witnesses, and saw video taken by witnesses. Okay, so here's what happened uh, as written in the criminal complaint, and much of this was not actually in the news report. According to the criminal complaint, the victims, husband and wife, were driving in a red Volkswagen sedan near Grant Junction on the Grand Loop Road. The suspected offender, whose name is John Lukowski, 
was following close behind the Volkswagen in a Ford Transit van. Of course, it was a van. With Lukowski and the Ford were several other passengers. While Lukowski was tailgating the VW, he stated that he saw the driver, whose initials are GM, which technically he's the victim, um, but he saw the driver of the Volkswagen flip him off once or twice, because, you know, that'll teach him not to tailgate. The vehicles then stopped at the construction site. Interviews with witnesses and video indicate that GM exited his vehicle, walked towards the driver's side of the Ford van, and yelled at the driver. Hey, public service announcement, just don't do that. Lukowski then exits the Ford and walks towards the VW and the driver. GM saw him come out with a large knife. Also, while this was occurring, Mrs. GM got out of the passenger side of the Volkswagen and a passenger of the Ford van named, pardon me, Hamala Amateur Razak. I'm sure I butchered that name. So this other passenger in the van got out too. So he goes over to Mrs. GM and starts a physical confrontation. By the way, both drivers in the passenger of the VW are in their 70s. Video and witness statements show Lukowski proceeding to the passenger side of the VW. Once Lukowski got to the passenger side, he shoves Mrs. GM from her standing position into the front passenger seat of her car and the ground. The video appears not to show that Lukowski had a knife in his hands when shoving her. So Mr. GM goes over to intervene when Lukowski and Amateur Razak were surrounding his wife. Another video shows her falling to the ground after entangling with Lukowski. He's then seen returning to the Ford after confrontation with a weapon in his hand unsheathed. When GM was interviewed by law enforcement, he claims Lukowski was tailgating him for approximately five miles. Again, I gotta say, so what? GM said, quote, I got out to go back and talk to him and that guy came out with a machete, a big black machete, about three feet long. That's what it looked like. I told him to get back in the car and I was getting back in the car. But there was two of them on my wife, and then they had her on the ground, and I wasn't going to stand for that. That's when I got hurt, and I come around here, and I was yelling at them. I said, hey, she's 70 years old. Don't be doing that, end quote. Mrs. GM stated to Rangers that Lukowski and Amateur Razak walked to her side of the vehicle and began yelling at her through the window. She claimed to have stepped out of the vehicle and argued with them before they, quote, started shoving on me, end quote. She said that Lukowski kept shaking it, referring to the machete like in front of me while gesturing that the machete was raised at approximately 45 degree angle from his elbow toward her. She was asked who actually made physical contact with her and she said, quote, I'm not sure because I was backing up, end quote. Due to the evidence as well as statements, Lukowski was arrested for 36 CFR 2.34A1 disorderly conduct but the charges were amended to 18 U.S.C. 113A5 misdemeanor assault. Lukowski had his initial appearance in July and pled not guilty and was released with $1,500 bond and the usual conditions. The case was continued until October 26. However, there's now a change of plea hearing scheduled for December before the U.S. Magistrate Stephanie Hambrick in Mammoth Hot Springs, Yellowstone, Wyoming. I'm just going to say here, I got a game. I like to come up with games 
And you could probably use this, you know, when you're traveling or I kind of like to use this game, you know, in a work setting and it's called, Hey, I bet that guy's got a machete. So play along with your friends. Um, see if you're right. You probably are. There's a type. Someone said to me, Hey, my nephew has a machete. And I said, Hmm, think about your nephew. Does he seem like somebody who would have a machete? And she goes, Oh yeah, yeah, he does. So that's all I'm saying. I, my apologies. I'm not trying to offend anybody who has machetes. I'm just saying, hey, I bet that guy's got a machete. Road rage is real, people. Now, from the Daily Journal in Northeast Mississippi. Two people were arrested after an undercover sex sting along the Natchez Trace Parkway last week. Larry D. Parker, 71, of Bruce, Mississippi, was arrested and charged with disorderly conduct and indecent exposure. Parker is an elected official currently serving as president of the Pontotoc. Apologies for messing that. Pontotoc Electric Power Association Board of Directors, which he has since resigned from that. Also, William Abernathy, 72 years old, of Shannon, Mississippi, was arrested and charged with disorderly conduct and indecent exposure. These two were uh, arrested in two separate incidences on the same day during the same operation. According to a release, the Rangers conducted the operation on June 7th, quote, to, to detect and apprehend people engaging in illicit sexual activity in the parkways, parking lots, and other public areas, end quote. District Ranger John Hearn said that Parker and Abernathy were arrested based on evidence gathered during a sting operation at Old Town Overlook, a site along the Natchez Trace Parkway in Lee County. The incident occurred between 1 and 2 p.m. I mean, in broad daylight. Come on, people. I don't understand this. Quote, this successful operation is part of our continuing efforts to keep those using the parkway for legitimate purposes as safe as possible, end quote, explained Chief Ranger Prashant Lotwala in a release. Lotwala advised that these operations will be a priority for 2023. Good, you probably stay busy every single day. Let me just add that this is by far not the only parkway in the National Park Service where this goes on. And unfortunately, they pick a beautiful scenic pullout and they just can't help themselves. And quite often, it's prominent members of a nearby community. And in one park, a sting operation unco uncovered a judge, an attorney, and a doctor who were soliciting young men for sex through Craigslist. From Spectrum News One in North Carolina, Snapchat led suspect to attempted kidnapping victim on Blue Ridge Parkway, feds say. 22-year-old man used Snapchat's location feature to track down someone at an overlook on the Blue Ridge Parkway, according to federal investigators. He now faces multiple federal charges, including two counts of kidnapping. Evan William Blankenship of Whittier, North Carolina, forced two people from a parked car with a gun in the early hours of September 28, investigators said. He knew one of the victims, identified as L.P., uh, using initials uh, for the victim here. L.P. and a second victim, L.M., were sitting in a parked vehicle at Water Rock Knob Overlook off the Blue Ridge Parkway, according to the U.S. Attorney's Office in Charlotte. Blankenship drove his vehicle to where the victims were located and pointed a semi-automatic pistol at them. The overlook is on the Blue Ridge Parkway about 45 miles west of Asheville. Blankenship allegedly threatened both victims and tried to pull LP from the car, 
Investigators said he hit LP in the face and caused temporary hearing loss. He also fired his gun into the air and pointed it at two victims, federal officials said. LM eventually convinced Blankenship to let them go. LP told investigators that she knew Blankenship through Snapchat and believed Blankenship had used Snapchat's location sharing feature to find her on the Blue Ridge Parkway. Police arrested Blankenship October 11th. Federal kidnapping charges carry a sentence of 10 years to life. He's also charged with two counts of assault with a dangerous weapon with intent to do bodily harm and two counts of assault with intent to commit a felony and possession and discharge of a firearm in furtherance of a crime of violence. I mean, I hate apps like Snapchat anyway, but listen, kids, parents, please disable that location feature. Nobody needs to be able to stalk you. It's a thing. And from the National Park Service news media at nps.gov in Washington, the National Park Service announced a seven-year initiative to focus efforts on hiring more women in law enforcement positions across the country. The NPS will be joining hundreds of law enforcement agencies in committing to increasing female representation in our law enforcement workforce by signing on to the 30 by 30 pledge, an initiative to advance the representation and experiences of women in police agencies across the United States. Last week, the Department of Interior released a report from the Law Enforcement Task Force recommending improvements to Bureau law enforcement organizations. In the report, the task force recommends agencies implement programs and initiatives to recruit and retain a diverse workforce. Women currently only represent 16% of the entire National Park Service law enforcement workforce. With this pledge, the NPS is committed to almost doubling the number of female law enforcement officers. Quote, protecting the nation's most precious resources, history, and communities is a large undertaking that requires a skilled and diverse workforce, end quote, said NPS Director Chuck Sams. The most skilled workforce is one that has people from all walks of life with different skills and different ideas. It's essential that we continue to grow a team that reflects the nation and communities we serve. And when I became a supervisor earlier in my career in Yellowstone, there were several women in law enforcement and several supervisors who were women. I had some amazing mentors during that time. So I'm only talking about Yellowstone here. Currently in Yellowstone, I only know of three women who were in leadership roles, period. But I am encouraged, though, because I know some incredible women rangers who are going to be up and coming in supervision, I'm sure. And they are truly badasses. I want to be any of them when I grow up. And if you're listening, you know who you are. There you have it, folks. That's our news for today. Yep, stuff happens in wild places. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, watch out for the company you keep.